of your life project a gentle guide to living a wholehearted meaningful life in these trying times listen to stories poems musings mystical wisdom to inspire you bringing a little more light to your day i'm anaramana Today, let's talk about love. You know, the poet Hafiz, the mystic poet, he has a poem that's titled, The Subject Tonight is Love, and for Every Other Night Hereafter. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the general idea. And love is such a broad, broad, broad subject. There are so many aspects of it. There's love for family, for friends, lovers, nature, animals, so many different beautiful expressions of love in this world. And they really come out of every single one of them. They come out of the one grand ocean of love, out of that beautiful unified heart of love, which we've all come out of, every single one of us. So, I was feeling that today I would like to talk specifically about fathers. And I probably will do a series. So we'll talk about mothers, we'll talk about lovers uh, in different podcasts. But I'd like you to just consider the family lineage that you have come from, all of your ancestors on each side, your mothers and your fathers, and maybe you don't even know much about them. Maybe you know nothing. And yet, they all have paved the way for your entry into this world. Every single ancestor and the role that they played all led up to you. And if you can imagine yourself swimming in to the waiting womb of the woman who would become your mother in this life, where that journey began. If you go back to that moment of conception, I know we often consider our birthdays as the time we entered this world, and that's true in a way, physically, but actually it was the love act between the man and woman who would become your mother and father at that moment of conception that ushered you in to your life, into this world. And it's amazing to consider, no matter what happened afterwards, whether they stayed together, whether you know who your father is or your mother, that they gave you that one gift, the gift of life. And so... I'd like to begin by sharing this poem by Michael Ryan, and he is envisioning what was happening with his mother and father at the moment of conception, or I should say, the day leading up to that moment of conception. And it's really quite imaginative because he has to step out of his own skin and envision 
What might have led to that particular love act? When I was conceived. It was 1945, and it was May. White crocus bloomed in St. Louis. The Germans gave in, but the war shoved on. And my father came home from work that evening, tired, and washed his hands, not picturing the black-goggled men with code names fashioning an atomic bomb. Maybe he loved his wife that evening. Maybe after eating, she smoothed his jawline with her palm as he stretched out on the couch with his head in her lap while Bob Hope spoofed Hirohito on the radio, and they both laughed. My father sold used cars at the time and didn't like it. So if he complained, maybe she held him an extra moment in her arms, the heat in the air pressing between them. So they turned upstairs early that evening, arm in arm without saying anything. So, a very sweet, endearing conjecture about Michael Ryan's parents and how he came to be. But take yourself back, back to that time you imagined you might have begun your human journey maybe counting back nine months or however long the pregnancy was for you. And just have a moment contemplating what might have conjured that love act that ushered you in, into this world. So I just thought I would include this next poem because I find it quite hilarious, and it's hilarious because there's truth to it. So in case you have issue, any issue with your family, just listen to this one and it should cheer you up. It's by Lewis Jenkins, um, who I consider a very saucy poet. Uh, He's very funny in some of his poems, and I find them quite uplifting, quite tongue-in-cheek. And this is called my ancestral home. We came to a beautiful little farm. From photos I'd seen, I knew this was the place. The house and barn were painted in the traditional fallow red, trimmed with white. It was nearly midsummer, the trees and grass, lush green. When we arrived, the family was gathered at a table on the lawn for coffee and fresh strawberries. Introductions were made all around. Grandpa Sven, Lars Olaf and Marie, Eric and Gudrun, Cousin Inge and her two children. It made me think of a Carl Larson painting. But of course it was all modern. The Swedes are very up to date. Lars Olaf was an engineer for Volvo, and they all spoke perfect English, except for Grandpa, and there was a great deal of laughter over my attempts at Swedish. We stayed for a long time, laughing and talking. It was late in the day, but the sun was still high 
I felt a wonderful kinship. It seemed to me that I had known these people all my life. They even looked like family back in the States. But as it turned out, we had come to the wrong farm. Lars Olaf said, I think I know your people. They live about three miles from here. If you like, I could give them a call. I said that no, it wasn't necessary. This was close enough. I just love that humor at the end. <laughs> As if we could reinvent our families. I suppose many of us do. You know, our friends become our family very often. And, you know, there are all kinds of ancestors and all kinds of fathers. And so I'd like to share with you just a, a small array of poems that give different windows into the paternal way of being. So the first one is by the Israeli poet Yehuda Amakai. And I just fell in love with the tender images in this poem. He obviously had a great love and admiration for his father. My father. The memory of my father is wrapped up in white paper, like sandwiches taken for a day at work. Just as a magician takes towers and rabbits out of his hat, he drew love from his small body, and the rivers of his hands overflowed with good deeds. Just as a magician takes towers and rabbits out of his hat, he drew love from his small body, and the rivers of his hands overflowed with good deeds. So a really deep and abiding love there in that relationship, that father-son relationship. And with my own father, we had a what I might call a unique relationship that was close in some ways and very distant in others. We had a mutual affection. I remember in my teen years, I was so besotted with him that I asked him one day if I could call him by his Christian name, by his first name, Colum. And my father sold insurance, a job he didn't enjoy but he was working on an insurance policy on the table in the dining room and he was distracted. And so when I asked him if I could call him Colum instead of dad, he said, yeah, yeah, and kind of um, gestured me away like you'd have a fly in your face kind of thing. But I took it and ran with it and I remember going around to all my friends the next day and saying, Colum said this. Colum said that. <laughs> and it was a few days later when my father called me into the living room and he said, you know, I've been thinking and I feel that you only ever have one father in your life and I'm that for you. So I don't want you to call me Colum anymore. Call me dad or daddy. And so that was the end of that little enterprise. But I must say, it was quite telling to me that I wanted to call him Colum in the first place. 
And I've written a book about this relationship, so I won't go into any more detail about it here. But just to say that this next poem always brings tears to my eyes because it describes my father and the household I grew up in in a very a very vivid and relatable way. Those Winter Sundays by Robert Hayden. Sundays too, my father got up early and put his clothes on in the blue-black cold. Then, with cracked hands that ached from labor in the weekday weather, made banked fires blaze. No one ever thanked him. I'd wake and hear the cold splintering, breaking. When the rooms were warm, he'd call, and slowly I would rise and dress, fearing the chronic angers of that house. Speaking indifferently to him, who had driven out the cold and polished my good shoes as well. What did I know? What did I know? of love's austere and lonely offices. I find this poem so poignant because I know as a teenager I was for a lot of the time preoccupied with my own life and didn't think to thank him. And he would go out into the road that we lived on and up the avenue and he'd He'd search for wind-blown sticks and twigs to bring home for the fire, and I remember him on his knees blowing into the fire to try to get it going. He polished all our shoes, and there were eight of us in the house. He'd leave them out for us all lined up in the morning. He filled hot water bottles for all of us because we didn't have much heat in that house in the 60s. And he'd tuck them into our beds and sometimes leave a book propped up on the bed. Uh, One time after my accident, which I've talked about in a different podcast, I remember I'd been reading a book, a particular book, and when I came into the bedroom, it was propped up with a teddy bear, you know, opened, so the teddy bear appeared to be reading the book. And the book was called when things fall apart. (laughs) So my dad had an amazing sense of humor, which I really appreciated. So, you know, fathers are also human. They have their shortcomings, their foibles, the things they're working on. If you really think about it, you know, when you were conceived in that act of love, they have no idea your mother and father, that they will become your mother and father. They've no idea you'll be coming at that point or how it will affect their life. So it's really amazing how how they adapt or don't. It's quite a study in human behavior. And the next poem I'm going to read is about a father who was quite harsh. The poet James Galvin even though he experienced difficulties, intense difficulties growing up with his father. He was able to write a poem that's called My Father's Three Kindnesses. 
My father thought nothing of putting his children on rank horses. He thought it was good for us. We did child-breaking research on ground. Also, he thought nothing of leaving us alone for days, even weeks at a time. He thought that was good for us, too. We, my sisters and I, are no strangers to loneliness. But he did in his life three kind things that I should say. He sewed each of us a doe-skin bag that held a pocket knife, matches, a fish hook and line, a snare and a whistle for when we got lost. Also, I remember one morning deer hunting when I was 12. A wet snow had come the night before. My fees were soaked and the sun wasn't up. My teeth were like a sewing machine. He built a small fire there on the side hill in the deep woods. He got wet twigs to burn by feathering them out with his knife. Then, as I started to feel the warmth, he pulled two bacon sandwiches from his pocket and gave me one. Ender and bittersweet, really, poem. And it made me think about how sometimes fathers, particularly in previous generations, had a real difficulty expressing themselves, certainly expressing love, expressing emotion. They were raised to be tough and strong, the head of the household. It was quite a gender-specific, very different world. And it reminded me of a line from a poem by the wonderful Seamus Heaney, who had called his family home, called to speak to his father on the phone. And his mother had gone to get him because he was out gardening. And in the poem, Heaney is listening to the tick-tock of the hall clock through the receiver. And then when his father picks up the phone and says hello, Heaney writes the words, I almost said I loved him. I almost said I loved him. The power of that word almost, all of the feeling and emotion resting there, falling in there, burying itself in there, because he couldn't quite say it even though it was being felt. And the ticking of the clock was actually symbolizing the passage of time and the possibility of death of his father. And even in that instance, the words couldn't come out. So maybe having a, a little think about your own relationship with your father and just seeing what you might find to feel grateful for. You know, if there have been difficulties in that relationship or if there continue to be, perhaps that's an indication of work that you came here to do together. Perhaps they are those difficulty stepping stones on the path to your own freedom. And there are many, many different kinds of fathers in our world. There's the biological father, the stepfather, the father-in-law, the father figure. And so 
whether your father is living, whether you have a relationship with him, or whether he has passed on. Just seeing if you can bring that wonderful being who brought you in to this world. Bring him to heart and see if you can have a little conversation, just heart to heart, from your heart to his. Doesn't even have to be verbalized, just in the power of your intention. You can have this intimate exchange. So there is so much more to be shared about fathers as the amazing writer G.B. Shaw, George Bernard Shaw said once, this subject is by no means exhausted, but we all are. (laughs) I hope you're not too tired. Um, I hope you have some fuel for thought and thank you for being with me today. Lots of love. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with others. And if you'd like to hear more, you can find me on my website, anaramana.com. And also on there is a link to become a member of my Patreon family, where for a donation, I offer additional gifts and bonuses, like guided meditations and private Zoom calls. Much love to you. Till next time.